welcome uh, to another episode of EPAR Trade Live. Uh, this is Valves for Race Engine Applications, What You Need to Know. And it's presented by Willie and Martin Tagliavini from Supertech Performance and uh, Race Engine Specialist Tom Fujita of Portflow Designs. I'm your host, John Kilroy. I'm uh, Chief of Content and Audience Development for EPAR Trade. This is the fourth one we've done of EPAR Trade Live, and, and I'm enjoying the hell out of them. Just great people and great insight into the technical side of racing and the business side of racing as well. Um, for EPAR Trade, we just rolled out a big announcement uh, yesterday. So we're organizing an online race industry week uh, for this year. The, the in-person trade shows are either canceled or they're just in jeopardy due to the pandemic, which is a damn shame. Uh, so November 30th through December 4th, we're going to have Online Race Industry Week. We're going to get all the manufacturers to introduce their 2021 products on uh, EPAR Trade. And the sh shoppers and buyers in the industry can just go there. And so a really neat thing about EPAR Trade is once you, uh, a supplier uploads a new product, it goes right to the homepage of EPAR Trade. So that week, you'll basically be able to tune in and just see a, a parade of everything that's new for 2021. Um, on EPAR trade. And we want everybody to be all in one place at one time. That's the magic of trade shows. We just can't do one perhaps in person this year. I, 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 the PRI show is, hasn't canceled. FEMA show has canceled. Uh, we'll just kind of see what happens. But because of the pandemic, it just, it's just not, it's not good for anybody. So uh, we'll also provide a week of content such as uh, EPAR trade live webinars and other kinds of uh, online content. Um, so put us in your schedule, November 30th through December 4th. Spread the news uh, all together now. Um, a quick housekeeping note. Uh, we're going to uh, try to, to mute the attendees, and typically they don't have video on uh, as well. Um, it's just kind of keep this thing flowing without disruptions. And then, this is very important, we want to answer your questions. So we really want your questions to come up in this webinar. At the bottom of the Zoom screen, there's a chat option. And you just click on the chat option and you can type in your question for uh, Martin or Willie or Tom. So just start now, get your, uh, your questions together now and uh, we'll get them as part of the webinar. Alrighty. And then our speakers, uh, Supertech Performance is a great company that uses technology with passionate people, really passionate people. And they've been doing it for 30 years uh, creating the highest performance valves and valve training components in the industry. Uh, Supertrek provides the racing market with superior valves and valve training components for virtually every type of racing, <clears throat> drag racing, rally, road racing. And they, they have a perfect solution for you. And if not, they'll make a custom uh, valve for you to uh, solve your problem. Uh, Willie is the founder, owner, managing director of Supertrek. He found his passion for racing at a very young age growing up in Argentina, uh, a vehicle development engineer for Ford. Uh, Martin is Willie's son, and uh, he's the uh, chief marketing officer for Supertech Performance. Uh, Tom, again, with Portflow Designs, basically a, a whole lifetime in, in working on valves. So he's a valve job technician from 86 to 90, and then right away went to work for Nissan Performance Technology, Cosworth Engineering, Honda Performance Development, and then he's been with uh, Portflow Design since 97. He's kind of the guy a race engine builder turns to to get more out of a, a cylinder head. So he specializes in four valve cylinder heads, everything from mopeds to Ferraris, 
And then he's, he has a new and contour BB uh, machine. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. So anyways, thank you all for being here. Um, we'll get started. Um, and I'll ask this question of Willie. We kind of talked about it yesterday. Um, we talked about what questions to ask and what questions we should address. And kind of the first one is very basic is, is why does somebody turn to a specialty manufacturer like yourselves for specialized valves versus uh, just stock valves? So, so Willie, why don't you take that and go ahead and speak up, Willie. Right, yeah. I mean, basically what you are looking in a race engine is to increase power. And um, valves, you know, can, you know, help to do, achieve that increase in, in power by increasing the flow rate, by, you know, making the valves lightweighter, you know, so in order to take, you know, chance of, you know, more aggressive camshaft, you know, and be able to rev, you know, at higher RPMs. Also, to be able to cope with the higher temperatures that, you know, uh, race engine have, you know, uh, normally aspirated or, you know, even more now, you know, turbocharged cars, you know, you have to cope more and more with higher temperatures. Uh, you achieve the higher flow rates with, you know, design, you know, very detailed design, testing, flow testing. Uh, Tom knows a lot about that. And, um, and, you know, higher RPMs, you achieve it, you know, by redesigning the valves, making it a little bit lighter. You have a lot of limitations with the stainless steel valves or steel valves, you know, in terms of, well, you can remove some weight of them, but you are very limited, you know, in what you can do because of the shape of the valve. Or you can change materials, you know, do them in titanium that are about, you know, 40, 43% light. Um, titanium is, you know, good for that, you know, lightweight valves, but not very good in other, you know, for other, in other specifications. And then for, you know, to cope with, you know, high temperatures, you, there are several alloys that are, you know, available to manufacture from stainless steel, Inconel, or, you know, then you can go up to Inconel or Mnemonic. It's basically the same thing. Uh, you can add uh, sodium field valves. Um, in lightweight valves, you can also add, I forgot, you know, you can make the valves hollow to make them, you know, uh, without sodium, you know, to make it lighter in, you know, when we are talking about steel. Um, so then we can enter, you know, in more into the details of everything, you know, how you design, you know, a valve to make it flow better by, you know, decreasing the diameter on the valve with the, uh, analyzing the radiuses or the back angle, the back angle of the valve, the, the back cut angle also have a lot of influence, you know, in the flow rate of the valve that has to be analyzed, you know. Initially, sometimes, you know, you can do it, you know, with a CFD software, and then Tom takes over and do the, you know, real testings um, in terms of low rates. Um, making the valves lighter, well, you know, that involves also, you know, trying to make, you know, T-shirt valves, you know, that, you know, and neck down of the valve to improve, you know, or remove some material or make them hollow, uh, like, uh, let me see what we have here. Uh, 
and hollow valves like this one, you know, where you can remove, you know, a part of the material inside the valve and then you make it lighter. And to cope with temperature, um, we use, uh, well, stainless steel has a better resistance to fatigue, you know, at higher temperatures. There are also several grades of stainless steel. Uh, we mostly use uh, two, two alloys, EV8 on the intakes, um, EV16 on the exhaust. This is because, you know, exhaust usually have to cope with, you know, maybe two or three times the temperature of, you know, the intake valves. If you go turbo, then you resort to inconel or pneumonic alloys, uh, which has, you know, much more resistance to fatigue at higher temperatures. And then if that is not enough, then you can resort to sodium field valves, you know, that has been used in racing applications for, for many, many years. Uh, and it's, you know, getting more and more popular because of the increase in power due to, you know, smaller engines and higher turbo boost engines. So, you know, basically, you know, that is, you know, what's going on, you know, in, in You know, uh, when I go through an uh, engine and engine parts, uh, a lot of them just seem to be bulletproof and you can almost hit them with a hammer, you know, with piston or crankshaft or connecting rod. I always thought the valve looked like the most fragile thing in an engine. And, and how do you, in the manufacturing process, what are some of your steps in manufacturing where you, you get that reliability factor at the valve, you, you, you get to last so long? It's, it's got to be hard to do. Well, you start with the forging. Um, forging, uh, for that purpose, uh, in our case, we have a forging for every, uh, almost every part number. Um, because to use, you know, sometimes you can use a generic forging, uh, you know, from there you can, you know, machine a lot of, of parts. But we choose, you know, to have a forging for every, almost every part number. That will increase reliability because you don't have to machine too much, you know, the angles, you know, the neck down, you machine as little as possible, you know, to end up with a shape. And then we do, you know, this uh, heat treatment for, you know, removing stress uh, to the material. Then we do the machine, we do another, you know, heat treatment for, you know, distressing the material. Then we do the, in our case, you know, black nitriding of the valve. And we do another grinding at the end of the valve to ensure, you know, the concentricity of the valve. Concentricity is very important, you know, because it improves uh, the fatigue life of the spring, of the, of the valve. The same thing with the black nitride. That's why we insist a little bit with the black nitride, because you can Google it, you know, uh, nitride in, you know, heat treatment um, improves the fatigue life of, of, the, of the material. In our case, this is a more sophisticated nitride. Actually, it is called QPQ, the heat treatment. And you can also Google it, you know, find all the, all the details about, you know, that kind of heat treatment. Uh, but, you know, that's the way, you know, and of course, you know, there is a lot of, you know, um, quality control in every step of the machining, you know, in our manufacturing facilities, there is a, you know, very sophisticated quality control. 
because in our facility we manufacture not only race uh, you know valves for our application we manufacture valves you know for uh, racing application uh, race engine valves for some of the big manufacturers we manufacture valves for aircraft engines wow. so yeah so you you can imagine the kind of you know quality certification you have to have you know even we have audits from the FAA you know to make sure you know everything is you know under control making sure of the reliability of the valve so uh, you know we are sure about that uh, it's, it's very very well set up very good and then I'll ask Tom a question and, and Tom what do you look for in valves for your performance engines and your cylinder heads that you work on I only why the valves will really settle. <laughs> um, well, they're gonna have a back cut. There's there's different. I see. There's like a question about flow. So um, we found like sometimes if the if the uh, port's too big, sometimes that area where Willie's talking about um, that back area, if it has more it could actually increase the, the flow. So when you do valve testing, you know, the same size valve, not just going bigger. Most people just think just put a bigger valve in it, it's gonna flow more. But if you don't cut the seat properly, it's not gonna work. So, um, like I said, I only buy the valves from Willie, so, but he, he makes, they're, they're really good to begin with because we've tested them back to back against other manufacturers. So, and you can see the difference. You can see the back cut, you can see the undercut on the stem um, where he's taking the weight out. And then there's, there, like he's talking about the sodium filled stuff too. That's a really old uh, trick, I guess. Yeah. Uh... Mercedes did it, but back then, um, the stem size was like 10 millimeters, nine millimeters, Porsche's nine millimeters air cooled. But all the stuff we see now is really, it's really tiny. So I'm kind of amazed how you get the sodium in that little tiny valve. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that's gotta help too though, as far as pulling heat from the, from the motor or helping it dissipate. Yeah. Um, and then you need you know, then there's other things too, like the valve seat material that they're using that Moldstar 90. Um, so there's, a, there's a lot to it. No, I bet. It requires a lot of testing and doing, it, it's time. And unfortunately, that's one of my things I don't have a lot of. So if you're trying to run a business, you don't have a lot of time to do like development. So that's where I'm kind of limited. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask a question. Uh, uh, Tom, let me just go ahead and ask a question now from the uh, audience. And uh, I'll, I'll give this one to Willie. How has the introduction of direct injection influenced valve and cylinder head port design? And, and Willie, why don't you take that one and we'll get back to Tom for his, his answer. Yeah, well, you know, right now, you know, it's a combination. I mean, 
Valve-wise, I mean, yeah, it, there is a problem because, you know, the valve, you know, with direct injection, they don't get washed out, you know, during the, um, the intakes, you know, charge. So now they are using specialized oils, you know, to av avoid this kind of issue. It's not related to the valve, you know, but the whole, you know, engine operating system, and now there are specialized oils to avoid that kind of thing. But so, but direct injection has come also along with the turbocharging, you know, and um, so all of that, you know, forced us, you know, to make, you know, sodium field valves. Many engines, you know, from the factory come with sodium field valves, uh, which is a very interesting valve, you know, a very interesting, you know, manufacturing process, like Tom said, you know, how you do, you know, to insert, you know, because there are valves with five millimeter stem sodium field, you know. So it's interesting, you know, the manufacturing process. It you have to be done in a very well controlled environment because humidity can make disasters, you know, with sodium. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit explosive. So you have to be able to handle it, you know, in a very well, you know, uh, controlled environment. But it's very interesting. Um, and the technology. I heard somebody asking me some, you know, not long ago, uh, you know, that the sodium field valves are not really good for racing because the sodium would evaporate, you know, at 1600, uh, you know, degrees Fahrenheit. But that is not true. I mean, it's true that in ambient temperatures, you know, the sodium will evaporate. But when you insert, you know, a sodium inside a closed chamber, you know, you know what happens. You increase the temperature, along with the temperature, there is an expansion and there is an increase in pressure. Uh, like everybody knows, even in your car cooling system, you pressurize the system in order to increase the evaporating point of the, of the fluid. Well, the same thing happens here, you know? So actually sodium will never, never evaporate inside a sodium field valve. I mean, the mnemonic or inconent will melt, you know, because we have calculated that, will melt before the sodium evaporates inside a sodium field valve. So that rumor doesn't, doesn't cut it. All right, we took care of that rumor. And, and then Tom, I'll, I'll throw the question over to you. How has the introduction of direct injection influenced valve and cylinder head port design? Uh, Tom, do you have anything you want to add? Well, I, the way they make them, it's performance-wise, they're horrible. Um, there's more than a 90-degree edge. It's more like a... I guess 120 degree it comes to like a point where it shouldn't, but it's made like that to increase the swirl so it's more efficient. But performance wise, um, I've been doing some of these EcoBoost heads, and um, it's by modifying that area where we normally modify it, um, it's a huge gain. So they've been selling pretty good lately. <laughs> so it's been keeping, to keep me busy. So we kind of switched <laughs> from uh, 
Japanese engines to domestics. But it's you know it's four valve technology. So, but like he said, there's is issues with that as far as the um, all the stuff that gets built up on top of the valve. Uh, even I've I've seen it on Ferrari, the four five eight, their uh, direct port, and you take it apart. And it, on the Ferraris, they usually don't have that much mileage, so it's it they're more like they're sticky. It has like a film on it. Um, but I did take apart this uh, Volkswagen Mark IV. Um, not sure exactly what comes out of a Jetta, I guess, but it's a direct port turbo. And the valve looked like a lollipop. It was just caked full of carbon and gook. And, and then, you know, talking to more and more people, they have that, I guess, like BMW are like that. They have some service where they long it. Want to blast the ports on your car? That's some kind of um, some kind of valve cleaning service at the dealership. So I kind of wouldn't want to know what it costs, but um, probably a lot. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have another question, Tom, uh, and this question is for you specifically. Do you specify valves? or more specifically valve shape based on flow. For example, on an exhaust valve with a slightly convex head versus a concave head. Convexed head or concave. It, on, on, the, on the exhaust side, I think it's more or less the shape of the seat that's gonna help get, gain your airflow. And we found that by putting that radius beneath the 45 is what works the best and having a lot of it. So it, it's one of those old things where they say less is more and it, it's really true on the exhaust side. You, usually depends on which head it is, but because they all, they're all every, everybody had, I mean, every manufacturer, they're, they're, they're all different. So some, some are really good, some are close. Like the Hondas are really good, so there's not much to do to make them a little bit better. Um, and then you have that Ford EcoBoost that flows horrible. That, you know, you, it, it takes, it takes a, a, a quite a bit of material out of the pocket area, but just reshaping that. Um, we've seen 60 CFN M gain at like 400 lift and I've never seen that on a on a on an engine yeah. <laughs> from from a stock to you know just mildly modified and just because it's so bad to begin with so it's, it's kind of one of those things where you when you walk away you're like yeah I, I got some good gain out of that yeah but you know it was it was really bad to begin with so that's probably what it should should have been flowing to be <laughs> to begin with, but they want to make it efficient. So um, that's that's what it is. So I don't, I kind of don't understand that convex and concaved. If you're talking about a dish being in in the in the valve, I would prefer to see a dish because it makes it lighter. But I I don't really understand. Um, where he's talking about convex and uh, 
concave. I mean, what area, what area of the valve is that in the in the tulip part or? Because then you have different shapes. Like a, I guess you'd have a tulip or like a nail head. And I think the tulip works better. I guess it'd be heavier, but it comes down to that same thing. When the port's too big and you add material right there, it, it actually helps. All right, I'll ask a question now for Willie. And again, I'm getting these questions from the chat option at the bottom of the Zoom screen. Just click on that and write in your questions and we'll pose them to the, the speakers. So uh, Willie, I'll just read off the question. Any experience with these NASCAR engines where water temperatures reach 300 degrees at times with the valves extreme temps? Any comment about that, Willie? Well, to be honest, we are, right now, we are not suppliers to NASCAR, but, you know, NASCAR use, you know, mostly uh, titanium valves made by a manufacturer in California, mostly. And, you know, they have to deal, you know, I mean, NASCAR specifically, but, you know, it's like IRL or Indy Racing also, you know, they are... You know, Indy, for example, you, know, you use turbocharged engines, you know, and they deal with titanium valves, you know, and they have to use uh, sodium-filled titanium valves on the exhaust side to be able to, you know, achieve what they want, you know, reliability, you know, at, you know, pretty high temperatures, you know, uh, in, in racing, you know, with a turbocharged engine, so. That's the thing. No, it's the intake side is not a big deal because, like I said, you know, they don't work. And even in turbo applications, you know, they don't work at very high temperature. The problem is the exhaust, you know. <coughs> so. Okay. I have another question, Willie. While recommended maximum cylinder head temperatures still remain somewhere around 425 degrees, I would imagine that with new technology, the valves remain more intact when the heads exceed 500 degrees. They remain intact more than valve materials of the past. Therefore, reducing the need to replace them after an extreme heat cycle. Do you find that to be true? Are the valves doing a lot better these days in extreme heat? Well, with the materials and uh, the new technology about sodium filled valves, yes, the longevity of the valves is certainly uh, much longer. I mean, we have seen, I mean, why we started doing, uh, even before all this, you know, all this now OEM cars that came with, you know, uh, sodium fig uh, valves. Before that, in racing with turbocharged engine, let's say Global Rallycross, for example, you know, they use, you know, four cylinder engines, 600 horsepower engines, uh, some of them using two liters, they have restrictor. The temperature goes very high and, you know, people will come into us and say, hey, you know, every, you know, two, three races, you know, the valves work. You know, this is because using, uh, even using Inconel, you know, you get too much temperature, you know, and after a while, even with that kind of materials, the valve tends to warp, start leaking, and eventually will burn. So we saw the, you know, these issues, you know, with sodium field valves. Of course, you know, this is part of, you know, the solution also. 
you have to take care of, uh, you know, seed material, guide materials, you know, and cooling of the engine. But, you know, that's how we started, you know, uh, making, you know, valves, you know, in sodium, sodium field exhaust valves. Of course, you know, this has been used for many, I mean, in racing, we are, you know, uh, still doing, you know, YB valves that, you know, uh, you know, were originally made in sodium field. We are still making those, you know, uh, yeah. sodium field, you know. So they have been, you know, in the market for many, many years. Okay. I'd like to ask a question of Tom. Uh, Tom, you mentioned you have a Nguyen Contour BB machine. And I, I, I love Nguyen equipment. I, I think you can do magic with it, especially with someone like you at the wheel. Tell us about that. We probably have professional race engine builders in our audience, and we could have people from around the world. Uh, tell us about the new machine and what you like about it. Well, there's, um, it's a single point cutter. So I guess it cuts like a lathe, but the machine is moving not the part, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So with the old style or the something that has a form tool, you're trying to cut too much material at one time. So the tool's gonna chatter, and then you're gonna have high and low spots. And sometimes it's minimal chatter where you can't even see it. And you can even lap the valve and it would lap good, but it wouldn't seal. So that was the problem we were having with the, the old machine we were using. And I, you know, I got to a point where I had to cut all the angles separately instead of using the, the form tool because I couldn't get the, I couldn't get what I wanted it I couldn't get it to be the way I wanted it to be. So, but the only problem with that, when you're using separate uh, angles, um, the depth equals width. So if you had to go a little deeper on one, you'd have to start all over. So on a 16 valve head, it would take like 48 plunges to, to do a valve job. And with this new machine, you don't, you don't even have to lap the valves it cuts it so perfect that, I mean, all the, I think every NASCAR team is using it and every, every F1 team is probably using it. So um, it's, it's the choice of, I guess most, well, I think most people don't know about it because they're not, um, I don't think they can really keep up supply and demand wise. You know, like there's more people that want to buy the machine than they can produce them. I I would think I I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but I you know it's 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 a desirable piece. Yeah, that's great. Okay, um, I'll ask a question, Martin. Um, uh, Willie, Martin, Francisco, and I have dinner together uh, every year at the Autosport Show, and so uh, it's not nice to catch up with you kind of mid-year this way. Uh, one of the things I love talking to Martin and Willie about is racing. And, and not, I'm not racing as an industry, but they go racing on the weekends and, and they just have a ball. And it's very infectious. And, and it's not the 24 hours of Le Mans, but they, they can't wait to get back in that race car. So Martin, t tell us what you guys do. Uh, well, in the racing part of it, my dad and I race in a class with NASA. Um, it's a super touring car uh, class, so it's 
you know, driven by power to weight ratio. Uh, we're actually leaving tomorrow to go race uh, this weekend in Sonoma. Uh, so we both race against each other. I drive an S1000, he drives a BMW E36. Um, so it's fun. Um, we have a big class, about 20 cars or so. Um, all the same power. Um, we enjoy it. You know, it's gotten us a chance to tinker with the engines and uh, Thomas done some cylinder heads for us. We put our product in it. Uh, we can see, you know, differences, how, you know, our product influences our, our engines. Um, so we can see that firsthand. So we're not only, you know, you know, people that, you know, make valves, but we're our own customers as well. So we, you know, we sell, we use what we sell, you know, so it's kind of enjoyable in that, in that sense. Yeah, it's interesting to raise what you make. You know, psychologically, you say you want the big thing and you have to race it, you know, so you want to, you know, your thing, your car to be reliable, you know, so, you know, so I would race it. And, you know, we are not professional drivers, you know, so we do mistakes, you know, some overriding from time to time, you know, and say, whoops, you know, there we go. <laughs> we have to make it survive. I, I love talking to you guys about that. And I think so many parts manufacturers in racing, at the end of the day, they just want to win races, either on the weekend as part of their hobby, or when you make the parts, you're putting them out there, and you're helping a team out there win races. And the way the development of the engine just keeps pushing the parts manufacturers to get better and solve problems, it's really remarkable to watch a company like Supertech. And then I want to tell you, I admire your relationship as a father and son. So uh, Martin's very respectful of Willie and really listens to Willie, especially on the technical side of things. And then Martin has the bold ideas of youth that makes Willie nervous. And uh, I, I think it's just really a, a, a great combination of energies uh, to, to run Supertech. So congratulations to you both. Thank you. We have our moments for sure. Uh, it, it, we have it, our moments, but... You have to, but you know what? That's part of the energy, you know? That, yeah. that, everybody's got to have that and uh, so it, it's great um, and I'll just ask another question uh, what's the most common puzzle you get thrown at you on, on the tech lines at Supertech like what is there a repeated thing people call up and say I'm having this problem and right now you can just tell them do this and you won't have that problem anymore there are always, you know, kind of issues. I mean, in the whole, you know, truck, train uh, package, you know, sometimes, you know, um, because it not only involves the, the, the valves, but, you know, we involves, you know, spring kits, you know, uh, how you control the train, you know. So there are issues controlling the train sometimes, you know. So that is, you know, the most uh, common question, you know, how to control the, 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 the valve train, involving valve springs, you know, uh, spring pressure, you know, kind of uh, spring pressure that they need, you know, for certain applications. Most of the questions are around that. Of course, you know, like you said at, at the beginning, you know, also, um, valves are one of the most exposed uh, valves in an engine. Anything wrong that goes uh, in the engine, you know, will, you know, may take the life of the valve. You know, you hit, you know, around the engine, you clip the valves and uh, 
or you hit the piston, or even, you know, assembling the engine. Some people, you know, do things, you know, when they assemble the engine. And sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes they don't know what happened. And sometimes they come to us, hey, you know, this is what happened. What do you think, you know? So you have to be doing, a, you know, um, sometimes the, the job of a detective, you know, to try to find out what happened, you know. That, you know, is something that happens because the exposure that Aval has in the engine. And Tom, I'd like to ask you a question. You know, it's, it's really neat to see someone of your expertise with uh, cylinder heads and valve trains working so closely with Supertech. What, what does a, a race engine specialist like yourself, what, what are the kind of special benefits of working closely with a parts supplier like Supertech, Tom? Well, I like William Martin because if, if I find something that I think can help improve their product, they're really willing to take that and make the change. Um, so like we had that one thing with the seal, I felt like it was hard to be pushed on. So we started looking at it and I was like, put a little bit bigger chamfer on the second barb. And Willie was like, yeah. And but what kind of blows me away is like, does anybody ever call you and say that they had a problem putting that seal on? And he's like, no, and I'm like, Man, I must be like really, I don't know how to put it, but I like, how, how can you not, it's like this, something's wrong here. So, you know, I need to, like he said, you got to dissect it and try to figure out what was the problem. And we started looking at it really close and like, God, oh, see, if you put a bigger chamfer on the second barb, it would actually help it. So I mentioned it to him and maybe about a month later, they all started coming with this, with this barb, with this chaffer on it. And it, like the seal just slides right on now. I was like, wow, that was, that was, that worked. Um, <laughs> I see that thing where he's saying um, on the valve, the con, a convex area. I've never seen a valve with a convex shape on the chamber side, only a dished. And if you've seen that, maybe it maybe it is for flow, but I think it would add a lot of weight. And to touch on the the part where Willie was talking about valve warpage, I think a lot of the drag racers see warpage because you know if you look at at videos when people run down the track when they cross the finish line, they hit all the switches and turn everything off. So. It, if that valve is glowing red and you shut it off, there's going to be a couple of valves. There's going to be some of them that are open. They're not all going to be shut. So I think it's the ones that are open that have more tendency to warp than it would be the ones that are closed. So I tell a lot of the guys that race, just leave it running and try to let the temperature normalize a little bit before you, before you shut it off. Did they find uh, good results from that? Have they been doing it? Um, I don't know. They, yeah. they, they don't give you much feedback, so. They only call you when there's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I need another one. <laughs> uh, that's drag racing. Like, they just go through them, so. To a point where it's hard, you know, the cores are even hard to find. <laughs> yeah. and, and Tom, I have another question for you. Do you recommend that racers use a cylinder head temp gauge 
to keep an eye on what the, the head might be going through. And if you don't recommend it, why is that? I recommend EGTs. <laughs> that way you can really tell what's going on. Um, most heads have that temperature gauge or temperature sensor right in the head. I don't know how accurate it is, but um, EGT gauges, I think, is what, you know, that or like what they're using now that land us and it can see, but an EGT will tell you which cylinder is, how hot each cylinder is. So, and that's how um, I think they used to tune the carburetors back in the day. Right, JC? <laughs> um, anyways, um, yeah, I would, I would use something in, you know, maybe run an extra gauge, I don't know. I don't really see people having a, uh, that temp problem because the guys that we do them for, it's, they're, they're, a lot of them are drag racers, so they're not, they're not doing several laps. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, uh, Willie, I'll ask another question here. Uh, is there a specific valve seal you recommend? Valve seal? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Viton on the exhaust is, you know, Viton rubber on the exhaust. Uh, you can use them also on the intake if you like, you know, but that is a high temperature, you know, rubber that works very well, you know, in, for the exhaust. That's what we supply and it's, it's working pretty well. And then uh, also when I look at Apart Trade, what uh, some of the products and new products that Supertech has uh, on your showcase, uh, one of them is valve springs. So we've been talking about valves, but you have uh, valve springs in your product line as well, right? Dual springs? Correct. Yeah, it's an important part of our, you know, business too, because, you know, it goes along with the valve. And yeah, I mean, our springs have been, you know, pretty popular. I mean, we supply a lot of applications, you know, in the sport compact market, power sports, you know, and now getting more, I mean, we try to specialize more in overhead cams, you know, of course, you know, there are now, you know, some V8 engines with overhead cams like Coyote engines. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have made a lot of, you know, experience, you know, uh, with different camshafts and, you know, valve springs. And we have done a lot of testing. So we have a, you know, very wide range of valve springs applications for every engine that you have to, you know, you can have, you have a lot of options to choose depending on the kind of, you know, um, kind of operation you're going to, you know, do the, with the engine, you know, normally aspirated, street performance, you know, turbocharged, you know, aggressive cams. We have a, you know, wide range of applications. And of course, uh, it's important to be able to select, you know, not the stiffer always is the best, you know. Uh, that's sometimes what people do, you know, put the stiffer spring in a street performance car, you know, it's not a good business. Uh, and I really like talking to Tom about the idea of working with Supertech and a part supplier like yourselves um, to kind of just get better at valve train and everything. And, and why don't you talk about that as well? Like, 
I imagine you have race teams and race engine builders calling you up and saying, you know, have you ever thought about doing this? And what if we tried this? How does that work with SuperCheck as far as working with race engine builders? This is a question to whom? I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah, Tom, uh, or Willie. Oh. Willie. Oh, Willie, okay. Well, it is very important for us, you know, uh, because not only we correct maybe some things that are not, you know, ideal, but sometimes we even change uh, the complete design sometimes. For example, something, if you read right now, you know, this sport magazine, you will see an article uh, about the modifications that we have done into the E46, a BMW E46 engine, you know. We, you know, in that racing market, the E46 has a lot of problems, you know, uh, spitting out, you know, the shim, adjusting shim that goes on top of the you know, retainer. So basically, we did a lot of modifications into that, you know, valve train. We changed the springs, uh, we adjusted the frequency of the spring, we modified the retainer, we modify the valve uh, groove and locks. Um, we made a new retainer, and instead of the factory shim, we use a lash cut. And there is a lot of success with that system. It's a completely different thing uh, that we made based on the problem that customer brought to us. You know, hey, you know, can, how can we solve this issue? You know, that was happening repeatedly. You know, uh, with that engine. So. We, you know, went back to the drawing board and say, oh, let's do this, you know, all this modification and, you know, it's working fine. Very so cool. that's the importance of working with engine builders and, you know, or drivers sometimes that, you know, suffer the issue, you know. Very cool. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to ask a, a question about uh, this, these times, the pandemic. And it, just feel free to answer it however you want to. Uh, it's it's a, a weird question, but it, people are curious about it. What's happening out there in, in the racing industry from this pandemic? What, what are you seeing? I mean, kind of cars are still rolling, but it's just hard to gauge where, where the industry's at month after month, week after week. And, and then do you have any advice for racing businesses out there to, to get through this thing? So what, what do you see in the industry as far as this pandemic? I think we see a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands to be able to work on their cars that perhaps yeah. uh, didn't have it pri uh, prior. Um, so it's allowing them to actually work on their cars. So we've seen our business go up, I think, in direct relation to that. Um, no one's really, right now, people are starting to go back to racing. Um, but for the first couple of months of this pandemic, nobody was racing. So I think that allowed a lot of people to catch up on their projects on their engine builds, or uh, if they wanted to do something that perhaps were putting it out till end of the season, that was the right time to do that. As we did that ourselves in our cars. So it kind of gave a lot of people that time to, to be able to do that, the downtime that perhaps they didn't have or weren't going to foresee that. So that kind of, um, we saw a spike in our business because of that. I think because of that. Now we're seeing a lot of more people going to the track and start racing. So now we're starting to see maybe the effects of that, you know, people, you know, 
having engine issues. Now we're having some customers come back um, and, you know, increasing our sales as well because of that. You know, people are just now going back to the track. Um, so while I think the pandemic has affected a lot of people in negative ways, in, in a way it kind of affected us in, in a positive way as far as sales, we did have to have, you know, a moment where some of our employees had to work from home. Uh, you know, our production was low uh, because of that. So we were a little bit backed up on delivery of our product. Uh, but now we've got, as things are opening back up and things are moving forward, we're seeing a little bit more uh, production being up to uh, people and don't have even come to us and said, hey, I just measure the eccentricity of the bar. Have you done that? Remember, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> Measuring the eccentricity yeah, to the bar? Yeah, we had that little gate, Cosworth gauge that you can actually break it down to tenths to see how, how true it ran. Uh, but yeah, like the spring, springs are critical, you know, and I haven't seen a broken super tech spring. Yeah. You know, when a spring breaks, that's the, usually one of the most uh, feared thing for an engine builder is the spring break. And right, so right. It happens. Well, the, the thing is, drop is out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In, in the thing is, uh, you know, we just designed the spring to work like the catalog says, you know. But, you know, what happens is, you know, we have seen in the market also, many people take the spring and say, okay, this is a spring and can work in any condition. Then they start shaming the spring, and, you know, using high lift cams, and then you are, you know, working in a different operating conditions from where the spring was, you know, calculated to work with. So that is an important consideration to keep in mind also, you know. Um, when somebody can say, you know, I want to use this spring for a different engine. Well, okay, but let me know what's the install height and what's the lift. And I will tell you if you can do that or you cannot do that, you know, because all the springs have been calculated to work in a, in a certain way. And many people do that, you know, sometimes, you know, okay, they start shimming the spring or using that in a different engine and different setup. And that's where, you know, you may get in trouble. Very good. And then Tom, I just want to ask kind of an open-ended question of you in case you had something you wanted to add. You know, you, you look ahead to what we're doing here and talking to the racing industry about valves and race engine applications. Tom, is there anything we haven't talked about? There's a point that maybe you want to make before we close this up. Tom? <laughs> Not really, I guess. I, I, That's fine. I protect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, now, now, when you work with a customer and, and you've got the valve train, the cylinder head just perfectly, and they call you up a week later saying something's wrong, and it's not because of what you did, it's something that they do. What kind of problems are your customers having? Because they do something boneheaded on their end. They put it together wrong, put the cam in wrong, have the timing wrong. That's would be the 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 first you know before they even the, before the engine even ran. Right. Like they would they would bend a valve or something like that. 
Um, secondly, would just be torching it on the dyno. <laughs> so <laughs> that's happened a few times, I guess. That makes me laugh. That's yeah, like, you know, that's how you learn. So yeah. learn from your mistakes. Just don't okay. do a lot of them. <laughs> right. Not a lot of money. <laughs> Good advice. Less mistakes. Pacific time, uh, Wednesday, September 2nd. That'll be our next one. And then that'll be followed by Stand 21, uh, Safety Gear, um, uh, IBOC, uh, Suspension. And I, I don't have the others in September, but we'll have a full uh, calendar weekly in the month of September. So um, I have one more question for Willie from uh, the audience. Uh, Willie, do you use diamond light coatings on valve stems? Or do you prefer WPC? I'm not sure what WPC is. I mean, I, well, we, I mean, we do coatings in house, but not the, the DLC or uh, WPC. I mean, WPC is, uh, you know, proprietor treatment, and we do WPC, uh, you know, not only with valves, but, you know, with, especially with CAM followers, you know, the topics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we do, you know, WPC. And then we also do DLC coatings, but not in house. So we send them to, you know, a third party to do the, the, that DLC coating. Okay. Not very frequent that we do it. I mean, very frequent with, you know, with topics. Not that much with bodies. Okay. All right, well, we can kind of wrap these things up uh, within an hour so everybody can get back to work and get on with their lives. Um, this has been great. Willie, Martin, Tom, thank you so much for taking your time and being part of this. Um, you know, it's, Difficult, challenging times for the racing industry. I think if we can be creative and, and move fast in different directions that we, and do things we've never done before, I, I think that's the best route for us to take right now. So I, I, I love these Zoom meetings as an answer uh, to kind of a, a problem that we're having, getting together personally. And then also, I just want to spread the word again about uh, Online Race Industry Week, November 30th through December 4th. Again, it's something new we've never done before, but we just haven't had this happen to us and, and Epartray is well set to really put on a, a good race industry week for the racing business. So we'll, we'll get that done. So uh, thanks so much for being here and, and we can bring this to a close. Thank, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That was great. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.